Welcome, Dr. James Beck at Sports Card Insights. Got another seven listener questions. Um, questions beget questions. And some of the same people <laughs> that are really good at asking questions, I appreciate that. So I'll give them uh, attribution where I can. But thanks, sponsors. Top Spinini, Upper Deck, Heritage Auctions, Huggins and Scott Auctions, Mike's Stadium Sports Cards, Burbank Sports Cards, ComC.com, and Beckett Media, Beckett Grading, Beckett Authentication. So first one, Ken Kinsley, Beansball Blog. Beansball card blog, and he's talking about uh, responding to uh, what makes a card investment grade. And he he makes an excellent point that as the prices on the high end rise, fewer and fewer people can afford the bigger prices. And so they have a creep down or creep up of what is investment grade is whatever I can afford of a great card that I want to have. And so if it's a a 52 tops mantle, that's a one, something that you can be excited about and does have investment grade in the sense that there is some thought that you'll be able to buy it and in a bull market, sell it for more than what you paid for it. And so that makes it investment grade in your eyes. So it's not a specific dollar threshold. I don't know if it's share ability or uh, flex ability where, where you can show your friends and be proud of it. So it's investment grade if you're proud of it and you expect to make a profit. We, we saw the, the half Wagner card that sold. It's about as bad a about a condition as you can have, but it's investment grade. I feel quite certain the the person that that won it at four hundred and some thousand dollars will be thinking they're going to be making money when they sell. Uh, one more from Ken Beansball Card Blog mentioning, and Ken, you never told me this that you used to work for Leds. <laughs> so next time I get you on the podcast, I think we're going to talk about that. I think you worked there for, I don't know, about 10 years, but enough that you understand how they do things. It's another subject. So I will see you at the next show and we'll see if that might make for an interesting episode because I think Lids is going to be part of the, of the hobby solution for fanatics. And I hope they... I can do it well. The next questions from a couple different guys, and they both wanted to know about the Betamax that I received in place of my 52 mantle. It was not in great condition, but that guy I'm sure still has the mantle, and I do not have the Betamax. I did uh, get a lot of enjoyment out of the Betamax when it broke down. As Betamax lost the battle to get it repaired, would have cost me another 52 tops panel <laughs> because when it broke down five years later, there just weren't repair places that were going to fix it. And I mainly was doing it not for, for, I was doing it to record and it had higher quality. So I know all my reasoning, but if there's one trade I could undo, I, I hope that would be it. And actually, I don't want any more questions about the Betamax because it's very negative. <laughs> one of my worst deals. I got a nice comment from Greg Scholes, who used to work at uh, Krause. And mentioning how great a guy Bob Lemke was and Jet Krause, who's also gone, who was another partner in progress and great men of great vision from up in Iowa, Wisconsin. But the interesting part of what Greg had, because he was working on SCD and it had all those great ads in there. And here's his quote. He said, at, at Krause, we were scared to death of your monthly price guide opening up to paid ads and siphoning off a big chunk of our business. Never realized that your hands were tied in, in regards to creating display ads. Um, not exactly true, Greg. Let me set the record straight. Number one, uh, if you've ever seen the whole process of siphoning, if you siphon off something and you do it wrong, you choke. You're siphoning gas. So I was more worried about choking on the big chunk of the business. Our hands were not tied. We certainly could have done ads. I went and spec'd out. I went to a typesetting firm and said, what would it take to do that? And they, like I said, they laughed. And so it was purely a business decision on the one hand. But on the other hand, I thought after 
I came to the realization that Krause did that really well and that we could do better by concentrating on what we did really well. If we couldn't do it better, then they could do it, Greg. So you shouldn't have been scared because it would have been a big mess for us to do it and it would have taken our eye off the ball. I was <clears throat> very proud of uh, SCD in our industry when I could show people the dynamic placement of all those ads. And people would say, why don't you have all those ads? It make for a different kind of publication. So each to their own. Let's see. Okay. I got a nice uh, thought from Thomas Link. Very kind letter mentioning that he had found out about uh, some uh, Clemente cards from Roberto's personal collection and how that would be something I might be interested in. I'm not disinterested in things that are from Roberto Clemente, but I have more than what I can display. And I do have the particular card that he mentioned, but not it didn't come from Roberto's personal collection, but I do have some stuff that came from Roberto and I'll have to bring that up, but that's probably more of a video episode. But I appreciate the thought, Thomas, and I'm, like I said, I, I've just got a lot of Clemente stuff that's that's buried. And so to add one more thing, especially when I already have a copy of it, uh, I've got to figure out how I can video it so I can allow people to see some of the cool stuff that I've, I've assembled. Excellent idea. Really appreciate your thoughtfulness and always interested in player collectors. You know, that's, okay, this is a response to Ryan Fagan's episode of the Sporting News uh, Senior Baseball Writer, where we talked about 87 Tops Baseball. Chuck Diesel says he thinks that 87 Tops is about to get more expensive pretty soon, that it's gaining steam. Chuck, I don't hope you're right or hope you're wrong. I, I can't say other than there's an awful lot of them out there, like to the tune of billions of cards, I think, from 87 Tops Baseball. So I don't think there's going to be a big run on them. Ben Wilson has already made a run on the 87 Maguires, and I don't think that's driven the price up uh, too much. Part of me, Chuck, hopes you're right, that regardless of the supply, that's a cool set that has meaning to a lot of people that are 40-ish, late 30s, early 40s. So again, I get that. But as far as becoming expensive, I don't I don't think so. And uh, lastly, I got a letter from Matt Hamilton, who is a wealth management guy. I like getting letters from wealth management guys. Not that they're trying to solicit me or anything, but I think that there's probably a lot of people in the industry that have collections that have gone up in value and they need to have a wealth management advisor. Because for most people, their net worth is uh, heavily influenced by their home ownership status. But cards can get up there. And for some of the guys I've heard of, they've got quite valuable collections. And so Matt is saying that he's concerned about, he says, probably not the smartest idea to leave a valuable collection uninsured and stored in your primary residence. What are the storage and insurance options uh, to protect your quote-unquote investment. Let me just address that, not necessarily completely personally, because I know lots of people that have uh, big insurance policies and uh, lots of people that don't. If your collection is insured, there's a little bit of a headache there, but it, it gives you peace of mind. You're paying the premiums. But for me, I've I've always stored the best stuff at the bank. And so I don't think anything's going to happen there. They're hermetically sealed. They're, they're not getting any light. And so the most valuable cards are there. I have some good cards at home. But the other thing is, if you're a collector and you have stuff at home and you're uninsured, then what are the things could happen? Well, there could be a flood, there could be a fire, or there could be a theft. Let's just talk about theft. If it was theft, first of all, they'd have to break into your house. They probably would want to know whether you're there or not because it's an armed 
or there's bad things can happen to people that try to come into houses, especially in Texas. So how would they know where the best cards are? I, I know several people that probably do have insurance, but they've let me know. And I've, again, I've seen a lot of collections. They have safes. And you're not, that safe, you cannot pick it up. You cannot, it's not a tiny safe. It's a big safe. And people have stuff in their safes. They have it in a locked closet. I used to do that. In fact, I've definitely done that. And then not to tell a big secret or anything, but I have some decent stuff that's in a box. But I have lots of boxes. How would people know which box? So unless it would be an insider, I just don't think people would know uh, where to be to get the the best cards. Now, that may not be true. If you have a display on your wall in your home with your very best cards and they're really good cards and they're just in a frame on a wall and everybody that comes into your house sees it and you show it to them and that's your very best stuff, you may want to have that, that insured. Again, you, it, it, the insurance, there's a premium there. And so you've got to figure out if you pay uh, 1% of the value of the items, then you're saying there's a 1% chance it's going to get stolen or, or burned up or, or flood or something like that. Actually, the insurance company is saying it's less than that because they're trying to make money. They don't want to be paying out. So it's very unlikely that something's going to happen. And so I've figured out that if something happened to some of the cards, would I, would I lose all the cards? I don't think so. Beckett, my old company, now has affiliation with an insurance company. And insurance is right for a lot of people. I, I have cards at ComC. They're not insured. They're probably insured by, but that's cards I've moved from there to there. And so I've got cards at the bank. I've got cards on my wall. I'd be very upset if something happened to my wall. But the other problem is just listing all the cards to show, are you going to insure every single card or are you going to insure only the ones that are above a certain value? So I have a lot of cards. I guess that's my dilemma. I have a lot of cards that are not worth insuring. I have a short list of cards that are worth insuring, and most of them are at the bank. I guess that's the way I'm talking my way through this. And I have several uh, guests who've been on the podcast have collections like that. They have they have some number of really good cards that they they do extra protection, whether that's insurance or a safe or a bank. And then they have some other cards that that are uh, fun for them. They like them, but it's not the end of the world if something happened to them. So don't want anything to happen to anybody's cards. So Matt, thanks for your concern. I feel like I am covered in that way. Insurance is to cover catastrophes, and it would not be a financial catastrophe. It'd be a headache if something happened to my collection, but eventually it's going to get sold uh, anyway. So thanks, Matt. Thanks, other uh, listeners, and some good questions. And I'll be back again tomorrow with another episode. The man in the house of cards The man in the house of cards The man in the house of cards Is doing